Welcome to The Divine Drunk, Healing Through Laughter, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shaped our lives. I'm Connie Sorensen, your host. I want to create a space for people to laugh with a purpose, be part of the divine entertainer with spiritual truth running through it. Grab a coffee and let's go. Hello, hello. Um, thank you very much for another session of Divine Drunk Healing with Laughter. Um, this podcast this week has a phenomenal uh, friend of mine um, on it, and I'm so excited for you guys to get to know her. Uh, this is Jess Vanderhoek, and I've known Jess for many years. Uh, she was a paramedic here in the city of Calgary and um, has her hands in so many different pies. Uh, and for many years has and what she's done is absolutely incredible so what I kind of um, wanted to talk to you a little bit about just today is one can you just kind of tell people kind of you know a little bit about your story and who you are and uh, so they can all get to know you a little bit yeah sure so I'm Jessica and like Connie mentioned I've been a paramedic for quite a few years 21 now going into my 22nd year uh, the last 18 of it's been here in Calgary. Uh, I also run a charity and it's our 12 year anniversary this year, which is a huge accomplishment. Yes. And that's an equine assisted therapy program. And we um, offer programming to adults and kids with special needs, at risk youth, and uh, recently launched about a year, well, almost a year ago now, our uh, first responder and military personnel PTSD program. And uh, I'm also the director of programming for a psychedelic clinic. So <laughs> doesn't wow. tell you much about me, but it does tell you about what I do. So that's, <laughs> that's what I do in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> but that does speak volumes to who you are, Con really, considering what you do and the things that you're involved in that speaks uh uh, it screams to the type of person that you are in here, um, which we, uh, who knows you, are lucky enough to uh, experience and, and know that. And, and over all these years, have seen, uh, especially the uh, the uh, question come from zero, mm -hmm. like I'm going to do this and and go, and to now where you've brought it is is uh, incredible. And then again, Thank your you. journey uh, through the paramedicine and and. And all that kind of stuff as well. I don't do anything the easy way. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. No, no, that's, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> no, I signed okay. up for some karmic lesson coming back into this lifetime. I, I mean, I know what it was. Like, I understand the contract I, my soul made before I came onto this planet. I think I have that part figured out, but it's like, Jesus, I hope this isn't the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. no I think there's going to be some there's got to be you know that's the way I look at it right it's like we can't make this shit up and you know we have to go through it all and then at some point it's like okay that's good you're good that's good you can tap out now right we're done that's enough that's enough time <laughs> that's out. enough time but time. like you know I don't know how how stubborn my soul is you know maybe my soul <laughs> is like no go ahead and teach her lessons her whole life you know I could see that oh. <laughs> do our personalities you know mirror our souls just just enough I'm, you know asking for a friend I think so <laughs> yeah I think to some, it really depends on what your lesson is I think I think there's definitely aspects of your your soul and your personality without question but mm. you know when you look at really evil people I don't believe they have evil souls I think they're here to have an evil experience so I'm not really sure about oh. the answer to that. interesting yeah hmm. I mean there hmm. are I mean we could talk aliens and go off <laughs> no I was actually thinking about my ex-husband you know <laughs> yeah well there are aliens on this planet and so their souls are corrupt for sure but anyway yes. it's not aliens there are evil there are great yes. aliens and then there are evil aliens and anyways we that's a whole other <laughs> okay just a second I need to drink the topic <laughs> have a drink here's to you yeah I, I just had to drink on that one yeah, because I completely agree with you. Oh yeah, there's lizards. Anyways, I'll yeah. keep going if, if you let me. So stop and go. <laughs> exactly right. The royal family. No. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I saw mm -hmm. something in one of my psychedelic trips. I really need to have talked to you about. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what the royal family really is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Put me on a list of conspiracy theorists, right? I'll be the 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get uh, in in uh, uh, podcast jail. <laughs> Either that or you're going to be getting emails. Who's the conspiracy theorist? I need to talk to her about a couple of things. Right? That's what what the DMs are going to be. It's like, I need to hook up with this girl. Exactly. Yes, because we all know know it. We're just afraid to admit it or say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) So what I have found um, very interesting. And, and one of the reasons that we're having uh, this talk today, and we're going to be having many more about different aspects of things that you do, but what you've kind of gone through recently is that transition. So you went from the transition from EMS to what you're doing now. So yeah. could you kind of walk us through to, because that's a, a big transition sort of, but it's to make that Huge. decision is, is, basically after all those years is to say now, you know, so what sort of brought you to that point? So I was diagnosed with PTSD treatment resistant um, back in 2011. Yeah. And that journey brought me to psychedelics in 2018. And that completely changed my life because I had quite a bit of um, childhood trauma, PTSD from the job, and then some other things that had happened to me that I really needed to heal. And so once I healed those aspects of myself, I was able to go back as a paramedic and function quite well. And like I'd been working up to that then, but not functioning well in the job. And then after that was able to really function, but it came, became very clear to me that you cannot out heal a toxic environment. Mm. So it doesn't matter how many psychedelic journeys I did. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter what, what your meds are, how much counseling you have, how much time you take off of work you can't out heal a toxic work environment. It will always be toxic. And so in this journey home to myself and in getting to know myself, I realized I'm quite capable of doing a lot of other things. Yes. And so, you know, I've been running the charity that entire time, even when I was injured, which I look back on now and go like, holy shit, who runs a full-blown charity when they're like severe PTSD? Yes. Which I'm really proud of. Yes. Um, so it's funny because, uh, my psychedelic journey was very much, um, uh, brought to me with the help of my uncle initially. And I remember sitting in Mexico and, uh, still being really high after my last ceremony and journey and him laughing at me and saying, you're going to work with psychedelics. <laughs> and I was still really high and still not feeling great because it was like it was ayahuasca it was my very first time working with ayahuasca the only time that I've worked with ayahuasca so far and um and I was still really just sort of like whoa what just happened right so when he started laughing at me and and my uncle is a channeler so he's like a psychic on steroids like yes right so when he says something he's not just saying it like he knows it to be true and he has yet to be wrong so I'm just like so I, I literally looked at him and I said, fuck off in front of everybody <laughs> yeah. like yes. with no humor in my voice, because I was like, absolutely not. I will not be doing that. Yeah. So came back to work, EMS, um, was able to start really looking at what it would look like to have a PTSD program with the horses, because that's the charity we run. Right. Yes. And so I really started to like, it had been on my mind for quite a while that we really needed to do some work with the horses, but the issue is always for me was that I was too injured. Um, and I didn't want to project all over people. I didn't want to distract myself from healing by being busy helping other people because that yes. can be its own way of bypassing your own healing, right? It's like, well, I help other people. So that helps me. And like that, it, that does, it's a component of it, but you cannot distract yourself from your own healing by making yourself busy and using that. So I think, sorry, I didn't mean to drop it. So many people do that in myself included. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I just stay busy helping other people. Yes. And we deflect. I'm a, I'm a master deflector deflector. I've been told I'm, I'm a, I'm a pro at it. And I say, thank you very much. I worked hard at it, but they do, they, they um, avoid, they do everything. And as you said, if I'm helping someone, Uh 
you know, they always say if you're stuck or if you don't know what to do, then serve, right? So I think there's value to that, but it can be a very double-edged sword. Yes. Yes. Right. You have to be conscious about it. Yes. Like I'll help people while I'm on my healing journey. And, and for me, I knew that I needed to heal before I ran the program. So um, two summers ago, I sat down and wrote a grant. Um, I'd never been successful writing a grant and had the help of a good friend. And lo and behold, we were successful. So I was able to build my dream PTSD program. And the really neat thing was I was sitting at a fire hall. We'd been flexed to a hall which means, you know, we, we move an ambulance from one area of the city to another area of the city for no good reason. And <laughs> yes, that's our ambulance. Anyways, if I get going on EMS right now, I don't know if I'll stop. Mm. So anyways, we have this really horrible computer program that moves us around the city, like a bunch of chess pieces for no good reason and so I'd been moved to a different hall and I remember going and sitting in the kitchen and just having this like download you know like this is how you got to do the program this is how you got to set it up so I was like grabbed a notepad out of the captain's office and was just like really busy writing everything down while I could still remember it and um and then I had a couple of psychologists look over it and just say like is this am I on the right track here because all of it was based on my experience and what I thought that I would have needed to hear and feel and see in order to get help and in order to feel safe and in order to get value out of it. Yes. So I sat down and did that and then uh, just kept pushing at it. We ran a trial project or trial pilot with it and that went really well, but then we had no funding for it. So yeah. Um, And then I wrote the grant was successful. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, my dream is coming true here. You know, like I get to be paid to help other first responders deal with horses. Like this is incredible. This is a dream I've had. I came out of the womb loving horses. Like that's the kind of kid I was. Nobody needed to introduce me to them. I just came out of the womb in love with them. And growing up, we didn't have the money for one. I had one for a while and she tried to kill me three or four times. And then I decided maybe I didn't need a rider anymore. <laughs> he was an off the track thoroughbred, a mare, no less. Oh, um, yes. So she tried to kill me a few times and I just realized that I was completely out of my depth with her. And that's a regret I have without question, but I didn't want to die. Um, so, you know, like when I was a kid growing up, I I wanted to be a vet before I became a paramedic. Mm -hmm. And so my dream was to be a show jumper and to work with horses for the whole rest of my life. And all of a sudden, you know, this is happening. And it's like, I got a taste of freedom. I got a taste of what it looks like when you get to consciously decide what you want to do and what your job's going to be based on your passion. But the issue with being injured with PTSD is you really get cut off from your passion. Yes. Right. You're so separated from it. Like, I don't know. I probably spent seven years trying to figure out what my next job move was going to be. So I didn't have to go back to work. Yeah. And I couldn't figure it out. Like I could not get inspired. If you'd asked me like, well, what do you love doing? I'd have been like, well, I like hanging out with the horses, but getting a paid job working with horses is like, doesn't happen. I don't, I'm not an instructor. I'm not a horse trainer. You know, I don't, I wouldn't be able to charge anybody for that or, or be qualified to do that. So those are really the two things you can do with horses and I can't do either of them. So that yeah. dreams out the window. Right. And I couldn't perceive myself going back to work, but, or back to school, I mean, so I was really feeling trapped. Like, yeah. what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Because I think as paramedics and when you have PTSD, you really feel like you're too fucked up to do anything else. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I'm too messed up. I can't be around normal people. I can't work a nine to five job. I can't work in an office. And we also get brainwashed into believing that our shifting schedule is really amazing. And it's not, it's not garbage. First of all, we get paid. It's, it actually makes me cry to think about what we get paid. And our schedules four on four off when you're full time, but you Mm -hmm. need a full day to sleep because you mm-hmm. get off at six o'clock in the morning. So that's not really a day off, right? No. no. 
And then you're so messed up from working two days, two nights. You don't actually have three days off. You, you know, it's not your quality of life just isn't there when you get to the point in your career where I was. And so I was feeling desperate, but I also was like, there's nothing I can do. I don't know what else to do. Yeah. And so the big key piece that I had to learn in there was if you focus on your healing, your purpose will show up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. So the universe was just saying, Jessica, I need you to treat healing like a full-time job. And when you do that, I promise you, I will show you why you're going through everything you're going through and what you're supposed to be doing. You don't need to worry about it. But I was so injured, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my soul. And I definitely didn't trust the universe because, you know, if you'd asked me at the age of 38, how I felt about life, I would have told you, I haven't had a single good year. I haven't had a single good month. I hate being alive and I'm exhausted and I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you I had a good week like a single one in in 38 years where I had like a great week. And I was just so, yeah, I was ready to get off the planet without question, like, and without hesitation. Um, I'm not crying. You're crying. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) and why I'm so emotional about this is because I saw you go through it. Uh Yep. You did. And, and it and what you're saying is so so bang on and um the helplessness yes we all felt that wanted to love on you and and hold you and tell you but as you said nobody can tell that you that but yourself and i just remember i don't know i'm getting that knot in my stomach again um how hard that was um, for you and to watch you go through that and knowing you had to do this. So then now I want to love on you even more and say, I am so proud of you, Thank you. for what you have done, where you have come from and how you got there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible. Just, it really is. And, um, you know, I said, I, I just kind of want to be like you when I grow up, you know, um, even though I'm older than you, but, um, you know, it's just, um, the power that you've had, uh, the fight, you know what I mean? Like you knew there was something else always. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, there was definitely periods of my life where I just felt complete hopelessness. And I really wondered like, what was the, what's the point to me being alive? Like it felt like I was walking around, a china shop where everything was like super fragile and and it didn't matter what I did everything I touched just fell apart and broke yes even your ships (laughs) right like (laughs) oh I remember everything went wrong in your ships and the calls you got were unbelievable (laughs) it just didn't matter what I did it didn't matter how hard I worked it didn't matter if I took the meds it didn't matter if Mm -hmm. I went to counseling it didn't matter if I yeah. It just, it felt like I couldn't win and I was drowning in the can't win because everything yeah. that could possibly go wrong pretty much did, you know, like yeah. in my own personal life, there, there was so yeah. many aspects of it. And it, it wasn't for a lack of trying on my part. Like I can honestly say that when I yeah. look back, I tried so hard yes you did do the right thing and to work hard and to do all the things that you're supposed to do and it just felt like I was like being punished every time I turned around I felt like I was being punished for being alive you know like so I mean I made a pact with myself right I had like a two-year-long suicide pact with myself where I just said if today's tomorrow's worse than today I can get off this planet I don't need to do this because what's the point yeah. If I'm always going to be broke and I'm going to be single and yeah. I'm going to work my ass off and get nowhere and yeah. I'm going to love and put so much energy into the world and get nothing out of it. What's the fucking point? Yeah. You know what I mean? I can yeah. understand if I wasn't trying, but God damn it. I tried. I tried yes, you did. so hard and I tried everything and I could not win to save not even a little win. It was just like, 
I need to be done. So in almost a way that that suicide pact with myself was like a pressure valve. It was like a release valve that let some of the pressure off. Okay, yeah. Where I almost got into that place where I was like, it was like a surrender state to some degree. Mm, yes, I okay, I could see that. Right, where like my whole my whole life burned. My best friend died of cancer. My dog died of cancer. I had to sell my house because I couldn't afford to keep it anymore. Yeah. Um, I, and there was a bunch of other things going on too, yeah. right? So it was like when I looked back on my life at that period of time, it was summer of 2017. I think everything was in ashes. Like it was just yeah. a smoldering heap of ashes. Everything that I'd worked for, everything that I'd um, you know, thought that I'd accomplished minus the school, the school's still there, the charity's still there. Yeah. But, and that's been a struggle the entire time too, right? Yes. That's been an uphill battle making that work. That's a whole other story. But the thing is, once my uncle said to me, once I did that treatment, um, I did four different kinds of psychedelics in a week long period. Um, I came back a completely different person with a totally different outlook on my life. And all of a sudden I realized like there's, there's more here. And once, once I was able to sort of integrate the new me into my life, I started looking at, so where is my real passion? Where is my real purpose? And so looking at working with psychedelics full time was, you know, just despite telling my uncle to fuck off when he <laughs> <laughs> I really I really realized like this was life-changing for me this changed everything for me I need to somehow make this available to other first responders so I started digging deep and looking at that and I started facilitating with psychedelics I started working with other ones so that I could speak to them um, because you know there's there's quite a few that are legal here in Canada that nobody knows about and then they're also legal in other countries right so um, but then also you look at that and you go, well, am I going to do something illegal or am I going to kill myself? Like yeah. which one, which one comes at a higher cost? Right. Yes. So yeah. people have to make that choice for themselves. Right. Yeah. And, um, well, weed used to be illegal, <laughs> right? Well, and it's look, not anymore. <laughs> the government just, just handed out down a ruling that physicians can prescribe their patients or um, psilocybin and MDMA. And there are yes. rules around that and you have to apply for an exemption and it's not straightforward. And it's not like they're just going to hand you a dose of MDMA and say, yeah, right. There's a lot to it, but if you yeah. look at it, the world's finally starting to catch up, but two and a half years ago, no one talked yes. about this stuff. No, no, exactly. Yes. Right. That is very so true. Very I true. I started really having a lot of conversations with my coworkers and being very open about it. Yeah. And I noticed that the response that I was getting from people was one of like, I really want to know more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'd have like yeah. eight people standing around me listening to me like, I want yes. to know more about this because I started to realize like I always knew that first responders really suffered a lot because of the job they do but yes. I wasn't aware of how many people would actually be interested in psychedelic treatment like that part really blew my mind and um and I started thinking to myself okay so what is legal and what can I work with and, and how can I help people get the help they need and so I started build, building a business plan so I was like, you got to start somewhere, right? You got to let the universe know you're interested. Yes. And a business plan is like one of those ways, right? If I, if I write a business plan, it tells the universe that, hey, I'm interested in doing this. So that's what I did. I wrote a business plan and I got about 75% of the way through it. And this is the, the medicine that I was going to work with was ketamine. Because ketamine is legal and it is quite psychedelic and it is an off-brand um, approved purpose in Canada to use it for PTSD, depression, treatment resistant depression, major depressive disorders, OCD, there's, there's lots of things you can treat with it. And so I was like, okay, I'll build this business plan. And the only part that I didn't have was like the financial part, because I couldn't even conceive of what it might cost. So I started building that out. And then one night I was sitting next to um, a gentleman who has more of a high profile job. He's probably not well known, but his job is quite well known. And I sat down next to him. He's a physician. And I said, do you know of anyone that would, uh, any doctors that would be interested in running a ketamine clinic with me for depression? 
And he said, yeah, actually, I know of this psychiatrist who's looking to do it. And so I was like, okay, well, let's, uh, what's his name? So he gave me his name. And so I was at Merchants, you know, drinking Prosecco on a Wednesday night. <laughs> and uh, and so I, I looked the psychiatrist up on LinkedIn and I found him and I was like, well, well, so actually um, I had the regular LinkedIn and it ne- wanted me to buy the, the pro LinkedIn or whatever it is, you know, for $9.99 a month or whatever. And I was like, this might be, a, you know, if I can get a hold of this guy and talk to him, this might be a big deal. So it's worth yeah. it, right? So yeah. I signed up for it. Yep. So I wrote him a message saying like, listen, I've been working with psychedelics now for a couple of years and I'm really interested in starting a ketamine clinic. I'm a first responder and uh, it's in my scope of practice to give people ketamine anyways. Like we give people ketamine on the ambulance for lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so he said, okay, well, he, he got back to me the next morning, which is shocking because like psychiatrists in the city are few and far between, right? There aren't yes. that many. So to hear no. back from him right away was, was at all was a shock. And then right away was a bigger shock. Yeah. So we met for coffee and he said, you know, I'm working with this clinic and um, they're interested in opening up a ketamine um, wing, so to speak, or ketamine portion to their clinic. They're already a well-established mental health clinic and are you interested so I said sure and so I met with the CEO and at the time that I met with them they were like well we don't really have a position for you but um you know we'll keep you in mind and so I went back and I thought to myself you know people are very quick to see us just as paramedics yes but we're not no like we're so much more than that. Yes. If you look at the level of training that a paramedic has, it's astounding what yeah. we can do and what our scope of practice is. Yes. And if you look at all the extra things, right? Like the fact that we're amazing team players, we are logistic wizards. We are like decision makers, like you're not going to find anywhere else. Yes. Um, you know, and then I looked and I said, well, I've been running a charity for the last 11 years at that point. Yeah. I can run a business successfully. Like, yeah, I have so many skills. I can give the ketamine. I know how to facilitate psychedelic ceremonies. I've been doing it for a couple of years now. Like, yeah, I bring so much to the table. So I created a position for myself and I was super fortunate that they brought on a chief operating officer who's a nurse in Emerge uh, in Ontario, but she's also a very successful businesswoman. So she builds medical businesses mm. and makes them successful. And so when she saw my resume, she's like, she's not just a paramedic. You no. guys. She knows how to run a business. Yes. She can manage a team. She yes. can create policies and procedures and protocols for mm. us. She can facilitate and give ketamine, like she can do all of it. And so yeah. I really created a position for myself mm-hmm. following my passion that didn't yeah. look like anything that's been done before. Like you can, there's, there are no paramedics in Canada that are doing what I'm doing. And if there no. are amazing, I want to meet you. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, there's a couple in the States, which was partially my inspiration. There's a gentleman in the States that owns two of his own clinics and he's a paramedic and he really inspired me. His name is Will and uh, he owns Transcend Ketamine. And he really inspired me that like paramedics were so much more than people give us credit for. And yes. we don't just belong on the ambulance. No, we belong running clinics. We belong running our own businesses. We belong yeah. being, because like we're, we're independent practitioners, the HPA has said that we are allowed to be individual practitioners and we carry our own insurance. Yes. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't know that. Yes, that's right? very true. That's very true. So, and we deserve to take up space in the fields that make money off of us. Oh, I like that. We, what is that we are allowed to take up space? Yeah, we're allowed to take up space in the oh. fields that not only make money off of us, but also um, where our interest is important, right. To be able to advocate, we're allowed to take up space in those places. Yes. 
because you're, you know, I mean, you're, you're trained or you're educated, you, I mean, you know, I always, you know, we always used to joke, um, I was in EMS, I don't think it much knows, but I was also in EMS for, for 15 years, so I kind of know all of this, and, and, uh, um, but it's, it's, you know, when people think of paramedics, you're right, they think of us on an ambulance, and that's it. Yep, that's it. That's, that's the only it. place that we serve we a purpose. We take from A to B. And yep. there, as you said, there's so much more. And uh said, my, my day doesn't start until your go, yours goes bad. And, exactly. and uh, you know, who are the first people they call is a paramedic. And uh, as I said, you know, I'd like to see how many people can save a life on the side of a, in a ditch, right? Um, but they don't understand that because mm-hmm. they don't see it. Um, no, and they see uh, the ambulance. Yes, exactly. They and they often us. don't see what we do because, mm-hmm. you know, it's blocked by fire trucks. And, <laughs> and then we're going to get down a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> I know, right? Most people don't know that we can intubate. Most people don't know that we deliver babies. Most people don't know that we have like yes. 90 some plus drugs that we give that we can cardiovert, that we can defibrillate, that we can crank, that we can decompress. Yes. Like I could go on and on and on. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and most people just don't have a clue and they're like, oh. You do that? Huh. <laughs> so you're the driver. Yeah, no. Exactly. Are you the driver? Yeah. 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 Half yeah. the time I am. That's how I maintain my sanity. Because if I was trapped with you for the whole 12 hours, I'd jump out the back. Rock, Anyways. paper, scissors. Who's in the back? Rock, paper, scissors. I know, right? <laughs> Sorry. So, no. But, but huh. the, the other important thing, too, though, is because mental health is so such a big topic with first responders that I also believe that we get to take up space in the mental health field because yes. we are the biggest experts in our own mental health. And then yeah. that's something I am such a huge advocate for. Like I had to yes. dig myself out of so many things, childhood trauma, sexual abuse, you know, narcissistic abusive relationship. And then 21 years of being a parent. Well, at that time, 20 or whatever it was, 19, mm-hmm. right? The, the PTSD that I had for years that was treatment resistant. Yeah. I dug myself out of all of that and I did it on my own. It wasn't the mental health system that saved me. It wasn't the meds. It wasn't the talk therapy. It wasn't the hypnosis. It wasn't the ART. It was me and it was psychedelics and it was the horses and it was the people who supported me and loved me. So I feel like we get to take up space in these places where we, we, we matter. We get to have a say. And so many of us, it's so funny how many people ask me, well, did you have to go back to school and get like a psych degree? I'm like, No, No, I didn't. Then how are you working in mental health? Well, see, there's this really cool thing called I get to do whatever I want now. (laughs) But you do. I mean, you know, we're we're trained in it. We have experience in it with the the type of mental health because it is so rampant in the in society now. Um, yeah. you know, as a paramedic, what you come upon and you deal with people in all different That's mental health states and think about and, how many mental health calls we go on yes. and how many mental health patients we treat yes. thousands upon thousands yes. upon thousands. So yes, I have a lot of experience working yes. in mental health, not only yes. with my own, yes. but as being a paramedic, I'm the one that they yeah. call in a crisis situation. Who do you think is peeling them off the ceiling? It's us. Yes. Who do you think is picking them up when they're at the lowest and they yes. want to die? It's us. Us. who do you think picks yeah. them up when they have tried to die it's us yes right so we have our own very relevant experience in mental health yes. and so I'm very fortunate that this lovely nurse saw my resume put it together let me have a chance to be like I can do so much more than than yeah you know and um and also to work for a company that just hugely advocates for first responder mental health Mm. to the point where they're willing to hire one so that they can make sure that they are doing the best job possible. Like that, that speaks volumes about it, right? That they, they're willing to take a chance and do something that no one else has done and hire a paramedic to work in mental health full time. (laughs) Um, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So the transition really what it came down to for me was I knew that EMS just there was no future there for me they don't appreciate what I'm capable of they paid me garbage they treated me badly the hours sucked um 
my coworkers are amazing mm-hmm. and I, and I adore them and I'm, I'm still going to work the occasional casual shift to make sure that I keep my toe in there to make sure mm-hmm. that I'm not getting so separated from how bad things are for them that I forget. Yes. But in yes. my position and my role, I can really advocate for these new treatments to be mm-hmm. made available. Like going to WCB and advocating for first responders to have this treatment covered. Like that's part of my job is having meetings and sitting with the top doctors at WCB and saying, I need you guys to listen. I'm alive because of this treatment. Please, 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 please listen to me. And they, they have been like, we've had some really big wins, you know? And, and so I just, the, the biggest message when it comes to like a big career change for people is you really need to believe in yourself and sell mm-hmm. yourself. And especially like to the first responder field, like we're capable of doing so much more than we've been led to believe yeah. and how we've been treated. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, we yeah. get treated like we're replaceable. We get treated like we're not important. We get treated like we're a very small part of a big system and and we get treated like we're children. So you, and know, you have to be good followers, just be the good little followers, be the good yeah. sheep. And, we have no autonomy uh, as human no. beings. And, and so, yeah, I, I really think that once I made healing a full-time job, that that's when all of my purposes showed up and it's, it's really fallen into place after years of fighting for every inch that I got, yeah. I could finally just be like, it's all falling into place, you know? Yeah. So, so. I, I just kind of want to go back to something that you were, you chatted about the psychedelics and, and I know you had been in Mexico. So you were at a retreat just uh, remember a seven day retreat. Is that, yeah. is that the one you were talking about? Yeah. So I, I mean, I've never taken psych- psychedelics. So, um, you know, excuse my ignorance, but so what kind of in a short period, cause I'm it's, I know it's different for everybody. So what kind of happens and then what is the end? Like, how do you get to the end result? Because I'm in, in, so what makes psychedelics do what they do? So they put you into an altered state of consciousness where you can actually process the trauma that you've been through. Okay. So it, it, in a way, like it, there, it does so many things. It's such a multi-layered treatment and it does so many things all at the same time, depending on what psychedelic you work with, right? It can cause mm. a big release of serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin, which are, you know, the, the um, hormones and chemicals related to, to love and attachment and well-being um, and belonging. And then what it does is it moves you out of your amygdala into your prefrontal cortex where you can actually process things. And then you have these very mystical psychedelic experiences where you really get to sort of question like, there's so much more to the universe than I thought there was. And, and so that space that is created in there in these altered states of consciousness allow events and trauma to come up to the surface to be looked at differently right? And to be able to be perceived from a 360 um, perspective so that you can actually re-remember a traumatic event as Mm. something that happened, or sorry, you can re-remember it as an experience you had versus a trauma that happened to you. So you can actually refile it as a different memory in your brain. But then it also allows this space for all of the emotions tied Mm -hmm. to the trauma to be released from your body. And the way that happens is you feel safe to be able to feel them because once you feel uh, the emotion, you can release it. Yes. If you don't feel it, it stays trapped in your body yes. as trauma, right? Yes. Okay. So it allows this really beautiful, like yeah. space for all of these things to happen. And it also heals on multiple levels. So there's the conscious level where you are aware that you're having a mystical experience um, all kinds of things can happen. You can mm-hmm. travel to other planets. You can meet aliens. You can go back and like go through your own birth again. <laughs> you can have conversations with people who've passed. Um, and so there's the conscious experience that you have, but then it also heals on a subconscious and unconscious level. There's so many things that you don't have to cerebrally process in order to heal from because the current mental health system makes us believe that we have to have our brain involved in order to heal. 
but we don't. You feel your way into healing. You don't think your way into healing. And the biggest issue with that Mm. is that so many of these injuries are soul injuries. Yes. Yes. They're brain injuries secondary to a soul injury, but so many of our treatments are brain focused because we believe that that's the only point of injury. And if we can just fix the brain, we'll fix the person. Yes. We just think and think and think and talk and talk and talk. Well, that's not working. We know it's not working. People aren't getting better. No. So when no, we do soul work, mm-hmm. and this is the analogy I use, it's like we have a lawn full of weeds and we're just mowing the lawn <laughs> and yeah. we're like, right, it's all, it's all yeah. green and it's all the same length and it looks relatively good. So we're just going to call it a day. We're going to call it good. That's enough for right now. And the minute it rains, what's the first thing that grows back? Yes. Right. All the weeds. So when we work with psychedelics or we do things like work with horses or we do breath work or meditation, we're actually healing the soul. And what we're doing is we're going around to those weeds and we're pulling them out by the root. Yeah. Right. So um, what I noticed was there were so many things that healed without me having to be cerebrally present for it. Yes. And that was a really, that really threw me off. And my uncle was like, your brain doesn't need to be involved, Jessica, you know? And let it, it go. Mm. Let it go. You've healed. Trust yes. that your soul and your internal healer, which are the same thing. Yeah. Um, the, inter- the internal healer aspect of your soul, trust that it's done the work and you didn't have to have your brain so involved in it, right? Um, wow. So yeah. I mean, there's, it's like, honestly, it's an hour long conversation yes. about how psychedelics work, but that's really the very cold notes version of it. And it really depends on what psychedelic you're working with too, because ketamine has very different actions than say psilocybin and psilocybin is different than ayahuasca and ayahuasca is different than MDMA, right? So So how do you decide what to use? So if someone comes to you and say, I have, you know, this has gone in my childhood, as you said, with abuse and, and all these, you know, uh, all these traumas or all these horrible things that have happened to them in their lives Mm -hmm. do they come to you and and then you that's how you decide what to use and then regardless of what it is they will go on their own journey whatever it needs to be done will be done yeah and it really depends um so if there's some sort of addiction involved as well then that sort of puts me towards a different medicine right um if they are out of their window of tolerance very majorly then i'm probably not going to recommend a psychedelic treatment i'm going to say you know what mdma is probably going to be your way to go with this right um you know and it really depends how much are you how intense do you want it to get and how much do you want to process in what period of time right yeah every medicine kind of works at its own speed right like i say like working with psilocybin or ketamine you're sort of peeling back the layers of an onion and Mm. one time might be two layers one time might be 10 layers one time might be one layer right it just depends on what your internal healer thinks you can handle or you need to do whereas ayahuasca is like cutting the onion in half right (laughs) or or iboga is like you know once and done (laughs) you're going for it right so it really depends on what they're how how much work they want to get done how ready they are to do it how much prep work they've done Um, and I think that's one thing you have to be ready don't you you have to be ready to deal with this um and I think that's why when you started to talk about it around the you know the fire halls and and the stations and and people were listening is because these people are also drowning and looking for a way out and they're also looking for how they can, you know, because we know very, uh, we know so many people who are on the same journey um, yeah. or is going through the life that you lived um, every day and they're screaming for help and they're not getting it. And mm-hmm. um, so I, and I have no doubt that, that they were listening um, because it sounded like that would work. Well, and the, it, the biggest thing is they saw that how drastically it changed me for the better. See, and that's just it because you don't talk about things unless it's heartfelt and then yes. like your, your charity and all these things. So when you really get passionate about something, people listen. Well, they, yeah, I, that is true. <laughs> 
probably helps that I'm like six foot one as well, but um, I have a bit of a commanding presence in that regard. But I also think too, that my behavior and my energy was so different that, that people were like, you feel different, you look different, you move different, you act different. Like, and so yes. that was, that was the biggest thing is yeah. I didn't have to tell them it worked. They could see it in the way that I managed things. They could see, see it in the way I managed stressful calls. They could see it in the way I managed difficult people. They were like, wow, you're like a totally different person, but still the core of you is the same. I just, yeah. I wasn't carrying around this trauma anymore. So yes. I could really truly be who I am instead of the injured version of myself who was very reactive and very angry and very depressed and had a big wall yeah. up you know whereas now I'm like very comfortable with who I am and I am more than happy to love and I'm more than happy to give love and I'm more than happy to just mm. this is who I am you know so I think the way that that, that just I was that was the biggest thing for people was the way that I they saw me change. I didn't have to say anything. Yeah. They were like, you're such a big change. I'm so old. Who are you? What did you do with Jessica? Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, then, and then yeah. I started talking about it and I am very passionate about it. So people do listen because I'm speaking yes. from my heart, you know, and yes. so yeah, it's been, a, it's been a hell of a ride. Connie, if you told me two and a half years ago that I'd be working with psychedelics full time and then I'd be working with horses part-time and getting paid to do it. And not in EMS anymore, like for good. Because you've stepped away and then right like there's just no I would way. have I would have I wouldn't a I wouldn't have believed you and then b yeah. I would have cried just for the relief of it all that like oh my god there's yeah. a possibility here that I might not die yes. and I might actually have a life worth living you know so the flip yes. side of that is I don't hate being alive anymore I'm quite that's happy amazing. to be alive amazing yeah that's probably because you you are here to change lives and you did it in the in 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 EMS as being a paramedic, mm -hmm. and now you're moving. You're doing it in so many different ways. This education and experience doesn't go away. Nope. You don't actually have to work it anymore. So nope. now you're taking, and it's going with with the horses, and and then now you're going into psychedelics, and now you're creating this amazing platform and safe space for all these other, you know, first responders, military that can go and in a safe space for people who get it yeah they can talk about it and we're mm -hmm. like we a hundred percent understand yeah. what you're talking about mm -hmm. it's not like we have to go to because I've been there and um you know try and talk about some of the things that you know a horrible call and we have to process that and people don't understand it unless they've been through it yeah, exactly. And so it is, I do think it brings a bit of comfort to the people that I'm sitting yes. across from when I, when I'm like, when I can, you know, talk a little bit about my experience and, and, and share that they're like, I'm so glad that you understand. I don't have to, I don't even have to tell you, you already no. know. I don't actually need to tell you what happened to me. You already have a really good idea. I get yes. to just be here and, and be looked yes. after, you know? So yeah, oh, that just, that just fills my heart. Cause it's so needed. And I mean, what an amazing person that you are taking the helm. And I'm not one bit surprised that it is you taking <laughs> you, your reins and, uh, and making, you know, the, you know, the, the grooves for everybody going forward. And I'm looking so forward to seeing where this goes with you. And, uh, I said, of course, you know, being friends, I will be there with you and, and get to yeah. experience it and watch you grow and all the amazing things that you're going to be able to do for everybody. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you, honey. You've always been one of my big cheerleaders. Aww. So thank you for, for continuing to do that and doing that the whole time, even when I didn't feel like I deserved a cheerleader or was doing anything worthy of being cheered on. You always were. So thank you, you. never scared me. So we were good. <laughs> So just um, to end it off, um, can where can people find you? So um, they were looking for you. So what sort of, where can they, where can they touch base with you? So depending on what you want, if you're interested in ketamine assisted therapy, you can find me at Wayfound Mental Health Group. Um, and if you are interested in equine assisted therapy, um, you can reach out to Prairie Sky Equine Assisted Therapy. And um, if you just want to follow me on Instagram, it's Jessica Vander 
underscore H-O-E-K, all lowercase. And yeah, you can follow my journey on there. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm on all of those. Um, so yes, um, uh, yes. And you are, uh, I really encourage everybody to, um, you know, become part of, of, of uh, your journey and the doors that you'll be opening um, for so many people, because this is just the beginning. It is. And, just the beginning. Uh, you know, as you said, all these news things, people, it's, 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 it becoming we're becoming more awoke we chatted we already chatted about that people yeah. are waking up and i think what what you're doing is is just the beginning of a very big iceberg and yeah. uh so i really encourage everybody to uh at somehow in some way uh keep in contact with you and watch watch what uh what you're able to do but I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and coming on here today and sharing this with us. Um, um, again, two and a half years ago, I don't think I would have ever have asked you to come on and talk about your EMS stuff. Because um. <laughs> I would have gone on a, a, a rant for like an hour of, yeah. of just, yes, right? Yes, yes. I would have been very angry and then yes. very despondent because I realized like, this is the hell that I'm trapped in. <laughs> So I'm so glad <laughs> we yes. had an amazing, and that just shows you, I mean, everybody who's going to watch this that knows you're going to go, yes, yeah. right? I get it. Um, but, you know, I, but thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing that part of, of, thank you, you know, um, that with us. And then also your journey with the psychedelics and where that's going. And I'm so excited um, for you. And thank you so much for taking time to sit down with me tonight. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. And you and I will be talking soon. Yes. Okay. Have a good night. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. That was a great episode. I certainly got some takeaways and I hope you did too. If you liked it, please follow me on all the platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, and we're even on YouTube if you want to see how funny we really look. Just remember, smile every day and best of all, just be you. See you next time.